0: It's living in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. We are really excited. This is an important week, obviously leading up to the president's selection of his second nominee to the US Supreme Court. We've got a great insider, somebody who has clerked there, who tracks it all, knows all the candidates, uh, and what you need to know about potentially what's going to go down on the hill. Carrie Severino, Chief Counsel and Policy Director for the Judicial Crisis Network joins us on Live in the Brain. Thanks for being with us. It's great to be here. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about ads because that's something that your group is involved with. They're happening on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a nominee yet, but we have got- Got ads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, our first ad was really just talking about the amazing pick the president made last time. Let's support him in this next one, and and making sure people were aware we're going to see attacks coming and be prepared. And, and of course, now. They're already happening again, even without a nominee. So um, we want we want to make sure that we're there to defend the nominee, and also especially to remind those people in states that voted for Trump but have Democrat senators those those senators have a tough choice, and they're going to have to figure out: Do we run for the far tack left, you know, run for the far edge here? Or do we continue to appeal to where the majority of the state is and say, no, this is a great nominee. This is someone who's got bipartisan uh, uh, approval and a lot of credibility and a lot of experience in the court, um, which is just looking at the people on this list. I know that that's going to be true of all of those people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they how they navigate.
0: Right. And so we know and we'll talk about um some of the names we really think are in the running, but we know that in many of their cases they sit on the circuit courts, which means they've been through Senate approval mm-hmm. process. They've been vetted, they have been questioned, they've been voted on, and most of them have Democrat votes. In their past. Now, whether the Democrats would step up and say they're, of course, going to say the Supreme Court is different. And it is. Uh, It is the one that sets the precedents. The circuit courts have to follow. Uh, They see this differently. But there are Democrats who voted for all these nominees in the past.
1: It's true. But there also were a lot of Democrats that voted for Justice Gorsuch, who then turned around and voted the other way on him. So they're going to say it's different because it's the Supreme Court. But I think also when we've seen that from the Bush years to now, it's gotten a lot more contentious on Mm -hmm. these things. So it used to be, that you just, uh, that judges got, uh, you know, unless they were really controversial, everyone said, yeah, sure, this sounds good and, and, and we'll move forward. And a lot of them didn't even necessarily have specific votes because they would just have a voice vote. Right. So you wouldn't even know how people voted right. on them. And now we've gotten to an era where every single one is treated like it's, you know, the, the biggest thing ever. That's, that's unfortunate. That is it is new. It's new. So, I mean, We'll see.
0: When you think about Justice Kennedy, and I keep saying this to people and they find it hard to believe that he was confirmed 97 to nothing. And several of the justices on the bench went through that process. You can't imagine that happening now because it used to be strictly about judicial qualifications. You know, presidents uh, have elections have consequences. And a lot of people on both sides of the aisle have felt presidents deserve um, their picks. And as long as this is somebody that the ABA finds well qualified or or there isn't an objection to their jurisprudence and that they can reason through things and they have a legitimate judicial philosophy on following the Constitution, um, that really there is no reason to object to them. So even if people didn't want them, they weren't nominated by their party's president, they held their nose and they voted for them based on qualifications alone. Those days are over.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, I, I would caveat, I think that, it, that the challenge here is that, it's be, first of all, groups like the ABA, they... they Claim, I think they claim mm-hmm. to be more neutral than they are. And there are right. a lot of studies looking at they, – they tend to ha- have lower scores for women and minorities. They tend to have lower scores for conservative for nominees. Sure. So it's hard to even say sometimes what's a neutral
0: mm-hmm. view of
1: those. But at the end of the day, what we, what you need to look at is someone who is going to be faithful to the Constitution and the laws and not have some political axe to grind right. on either side of the aisle. Someone who's, mm-hmm. who's not substituting their own agenda but is just looking at what the laws say – from my perspective, that shouldn't be a partisan issue. Unfortunately, even that seems to have become a partisan issue. And I think maybe, from again, from my perspective here, I see a lot of liberal groups who are hoping to use the courts maybe as a secondary legislature. I did We didn't get Trump, but we're going to use the courts to block what he's doing. Or we weren't able to pass this law that we think was good, so we're going to have the courts do it for us. That's really not what the courts are designed to do. So if, if you're hoping courts do that, you should be disappointed, and uh, that doesn't make the courts conservative or liberal. That that just means that they they should be confining themselves to the laws it's written, and that means interpreting liberal laws and conservative laws, following with the same you know the same principles. So, mm-hmm. I would I, I hope that all these nominees I I, I think. Those are all. That's the principles behind all of these nominees. I hope that's something that appeals across the board. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, another ad that showed up in my inbox today is from NARAL, a Pro Choice Group. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard a lot about uh, the next justice could overturn Roe v. Wade, and their uh, their ad is a full page ad that says it'll be in various newspapers and places. Trump has been loud and clear in saying he'd pick Supreme Court justices to end Roe v. Wade. We believe him, don't you, Senator Collins? Mm-hmm. So it's not just Democrats that are being targeted for. Uh, hey, you really need to think about your vote, especially if for if you're up for reelection in a red state. They're uh, also reaching out to Republicans across the aisle who have said, listen, if I think it's somebody who would put Roe v. Wade in jeopardy, I won't vote for them. And that includes Susan Collins. And she's becoming uh, a very important voice and and was the last time around as well, because she and Senator Murkowski, both Republicans who tend to worry about somebody that would be uh, pro-life or be anti-Roe. They've made it clear that 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 will be a breaking point for them.
1: Well, that yeah, I think the left is doing that because they know that even if they kept every Democrat vote, they still need to pick off some Republicans. And that's they're, they're definitely targeting Collins and Murkowski. But, look, when you've heard them speaking, yes, they say that Roe v. Wade is a the precedent they they value. But also they say at the end of the day the most important thing is Finding a judge who is going to be faithful to the laws and faithful to the Constitution and put that first. So that really is their ultimate goal at the end of the day, too. Both of them voted for Justice Gorsuch, of course, along with three Democrat Mm -hmm. senators. Um, And they were confident in doing so because he is exactly that kind of judge. And I know that that's what the president's going to uh, come up with again this time. You know, the scare tactics, obviously, the left is going to dredge up every every uh, specter they can. I think it's it's a lot more spin than anything else, because really what we're going to see with Kennedy leaving the court is Chief Justice Roberts being the new swing vote. Is that something he wants to do? I kind of doubt it. And we've seen that that sort of scare tactic used really going back to Justice O'Connor's confirmation. It was it was active during Justice Kennedy's. They're saying, well, this is the vote. This is the vote that that changes uh, Roe versus Wade. And I I think every time it's been proven to be a lot more hysteria than Mm -hmm. actual grounded in in anything practical and likely to happen.
0: Yeah, because I've seen all kinds of things, including tweets that say abortion is going away. Gay people will be turned away from restaurants and hotels and places. African Americans will never get into good colleges again. They're taking away African um, affirmative action. And, you know, just all kinds of very dire predictions. First of all, I don't think anybody wants to see any of that, right or left. Um, but also I don't think it's based in reality.
1: No, it, it, this is, it's dishonest and it's political spin. And I think most people can see through that. I mean, this we see this every time and it's the pushing the granny off the cliff kind of moment, except for now it's It's a pregnant granny with an immigrant child in one hand, and you know, is they're trying to they're trying to cram as many different um, nightmare scenarios Mm -hmm. together as they can. But at the end of the day, look, the people that we know, and I know we can talk about them, like that are being looked at so closely, like Judge Barrett, Judge Kathledge, Judge Kavanaugh. These are good, hardworking people. They are, are there. Because they care about the American project, they want to make sure that the rule of law is being followed across the board, that people's, people are being respected and their rights are being respected, um, you know, regardless of their background. So, and I think that is what they've lived out in their careers and on the bench thus far. So I think, I think that, that that their very backgrounds and, and, and resumes, will, their experience so far, will put a lie to the political spin that we're seeing.
0: Okay, so let's try to do a quick little run through. The people that we know or believe are on the list, uh, Judge Hardiman, he apparently was the, the runner-up to Gorsuch last mm-hmm. time. Um, he is sits on the Third Circuit, went to Notre Dame and Georgetown for law school. Um, he's got a really interesting backstory in that I think that he was the one who drove a taxi to put himself through high school and college. Right. Um, he seems very down-to-earth. Uh, you know, he's an interesting guy. We know the president hit it off with him last time. He really struggled between this decision because he had a really good interview with Hardiman. Uh, sounds like he's in the mix mm-hmm. very much again this time.
1: That's what I. That's what I've heard. And he's someone who would be excellent. He obviously has a lot of experience. Um, On the appellate courts, and that's a definite plus. So we have a track record so we can see how does this person apply the law? You don't have to kind of guess that everyone now knows to say if if, you know if you're meeting the president, he wants you for a seat in the Supreme Court, you say I want to follow the text of the law and I want the original understanding of the Constitution. But when you've got someone, uh, you know, when you're looking at their record. That'll, that is, is what you have to prove. So you, it's not just someone who can walk up and, and say, this is important to me. You can look at that. And he has some great cases in there. I think a lot of people point especially to his Second Amendment jurisprudence, but has has dealt with a lot of important issues in that time on the bench. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's talk about another judge, uh, Raymond Ketledge. He mm-hmm. sits on the Sixth Circuit. Uh, what can you tell us about him?
1: Yeah, he is a former Kennedy clerk. So like like Gorsuch, and uh, is someone who... Understands how Justice Kennedy approached the court. And I think that might be – it might be interesting to see maybe the first time in history where a judge is succeeded by one of his former mm-hmm. clerks, right? He sounds like a really down-to-earth guy as well from Michigan. He, he hunts. He just likes to likes to be out in the outdoors. Um, he is a really articulate writer. And what I, I love about his opinions is um, they not, aren't just so incisive on, on the constitutional issues, which he's got some really great insights on statutory interpretation. He's got on the First Amendment, on the Second Amendment – but he really likes to start them talking about breaking it down for the average person. So you're not just – you don't have to be a law professor to understand mm-hmm. what's going on in the case. And that really is how it should be because these are decisions that affect us all as Americans. So, yeah, you're going to have to get into the weeds somewhere in Part B, you know, it's BC3 exactly in, in, in the deep part. But let's lay it out so everyone understands what's going on here in the, in the beginning.
0: Okay. So let's talk about someone else who would be a unique pick for the president. He's somebody that the president nominated to where he currently sits now, mm-hmm. which is Judge Thapar. Uh, he sits on the Sixth Circuit as well. Right. Um, he is an interesting pick in a lot of ways. And I understand that that the president interviewed him last time. He's interviewing th- him this time around as well. What do you think his odds are? And what do we, what do you know about his background?
1: Yeah. So this is Amul Thapar. And he was formerly a district court judge in Kentucky. Now he's on the Sixth Circuit, a, a colleague of, of uh, Judge Kethledge. And and I think it would be really interesting to have someone with that district court background. Uh, Judge Hardiman actually has a district court background as well, but not as not as extensive as Judge the pars And that's not something we ver- see as frequently on the Supreme Court. The district judges are the ones who are, are hearing the cases and actually taking the evidence and doing all of that kind of first level of a case. And it would, I think it would be really intriguing to have that aspect. Plus, he he's someone who's already a kind of record breaker himself. He was the first South Asian judge, federal uh, Article Three judge uh, out there. And now he was a second appointed to the appellate courts. So um, I, I just think that would be kind of a neat first for the president to have as well as I've heard people who've argued before him and have, have said they were really impressed with the kinds of questions he was asking, uh, so he really incisive in understanding the big picture of the argument.
0: I do think it's helpful because everything that gets to them as almost everything has gone through a district court, mm-hmm. traditional proceeding, and then, of course, gone through a circuit court to get to them. There are rare exceptions. Um, but to have a judge who really understands all of that, I think, uh, is very helpful. Or justice, excuse me. Yeah, it's not um, just theory. <laughs> right. No, yeah, to, to know how the record works and, and you know, because um, I've seen the, the justices bring in things that are part of the public conversation sometimes into these cases that they're hearing. And you'll have another justice say to them, well, I don't go outside the record. I only stick with the record. Yeah. Um, so It's interesting to see them have those conversations about how this works its way through the system and and the important parts of a case in the district court on. Now, let's talk about another person who seems to be really near the top, which is uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll tell you, I've heard some concerns from some conservatives who are a little worried about him, although they seem generally happy with everyone on the list. Um, They do have concerns.
1: You know, I think some of that people saw a decision he had, for example, in the Obamacare case. That one I think a lot of people got worried about. And this is because in that case, his decision was that he thought the people did not have standing to challenge it. This is back, you know, when we saw the NFIB challenge. This was a different parallel challenge, mm-hmm. making the same arguments about the Commerce Clause. And he said... It, the, because of the anti injunction act which is a law saying that you have to pay a tax before actually um, challenging the tax yeah as we know this was yeah. a tax but
0: it wasn't a tax yeah, it was a tax it wasn't in it. the right. same opinion <laughs> so exactly
1: so he said he said that would block them from hearing the case he he, he was it was an un, unusual opinion because he, no one agreed with him on the on the dc circuit and it turns out the supreme court didn't agree with him on that point either although obviously they they ultimately held it was a tax some people worried that they thought, is this just what we worried that Chief Justice Roberts is doing? Is this him dodging, trying to not decide a tough case? And I think that's a fair question to ask. But when you look at his whole record, you see this is – Brett Kavanaugh is not someone who dodges hard questions. He gives very thoughtful you know, he, – he'll, he'll write a dissent from a denial of cert um, to explain why the court should have taken a more controversial issue. Or, for example, he was involved in the, this recent decision – Declaring the Consumer Finance Protection Board, Liz Warren's um, brainchild <laughs> organization, to be unconstitutional as it's as it's uh, conceived right now because it doesn't doesn't go through the right c- constitutional procedures in our system. Um, that's a, those are bold moves, and he's done that not in just one or two, but repeatedly throughout his career. So, this is not someone who is dodging um, tough questions. In fact, if you look at his his history, he has. So a, a kind of just a unique perspective on that particular anti-injunction act, and I think that was driving that decision more than mm-hmm. anything else. But he's someone who has such a sterling. Record and it's and it's interesting how many places it overlaps with Gore, such as too. They both went to Georgetown Prep. Um, they even both happened to clerk for Justice Kennedy the same term. So mm-hmm. with you know, talk about interesting scenarios. You have two co-clerks, uh, right? Now uh, together, serving, up serving on the Supreme Court together. But he's he's just a, a real shining star. I think so many people point to him as a a real leader in the conservative movement, such that he was often even when he wasn't on the list, people are going, yeah, but what about Judge Kavanaugh? And then ultimately, of course, he did get added into the list last November.
0: It does sound. He's, uh, sound like, again, that he's one of the top two or three of uh, the vibes we keep getting from the White House. Um, so we'll see. We'll know soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there were concerns over the Garza case that he got involved with as well, which is this case about uh, an illegal teenager who came came to the country illegally, then needed an abortion once she got here, or was seeking an abortion. Uh, and it it played around in the D.C. Circuit, and there were some concerns about how that case was, wasn't was handled, and obviously the Supreme Court got involved with that as well, although it, you know, it seems like it's still yet to be fully decided on the merits, because that case is not going away, or at least that issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, that case itself is sort of mooted because they, ultimately the woman did end up having an abortion, and now the kind of case goes right, away. Right, her case goes so, away for sure. Right, right. But he was he was involved in that. But that was another one where um, he he took a, a position in that case that of course there's no there's no way out of deciding some of these hard questions. And he but he's not someone who's necessarily seeking that anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's talk about. We hear there are a couple women in the mix. I've heard several names, but uh, let's talk about these two, Joan Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: let's talk about what she brings to potentially to the bench. Yeah, she is another sixth circuit. You know, this the, the sixth circuit is popular shining today, circuit, right? Today. right I know. Um, it, it, she she's a former U of M law professor and a former Scalia clerk. I Remember hearing her speak really eloquently about Justice Scalia after he passed away, and how someone asked her, "What is it like being a woman clerking for Justice Scalia?" And she says. It's really just like being a man I mean he treated me the same as he would everyone else, which I think is a wonderful Right. Know, thing he's to. gonna give everybody a hard time. Yeah, of course, exactly. yeah That's email. not to say it was easy. It was but it but she, I know she just admired him exactly so much. And she was she was a well loved professor at UN and then now then she was at the Michigan Supreme Court. So she's had that experience of being in the highest court in her jurisdiction. Obviously, they're still subject to the U.S. Supreme Court on federal law issues, but there's a lot of issues of Michigan law where they, they were the final word. And so that's an interesting perspective to bring in. Again, just like you say, it would be interesting to have a district court judge. How about someone who, who knows state law as, as intimately as that, not just the federal side? So that's, that's a neat perspective to have as well. And now, of course, she's getting to see the federal side as well.
0: Yeah, of course. Okay, so now let's go to one that's getting uh, a lot of attention, kind of most of the, the headlines out there these days, for good or bad, depending on which side you're on, which is Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who is a new circuit, newish circuit court judge. <laughs> she's been through this vetting process in the Senate. They voted on her. Um, you and I have talked about this. We've played these clips on the show, and we did so months ago when it happened that because she is uh, a, a devout Catholic who is not ashamed of her faith and talks about it and lives it, um, that there were some really tough questions that she got on the bench. Um, I, I mean, when she, was, when she was being vetted by the S- Senate Judiciary Committee, by senators who sort of questioned whether that faith would cloud her ability to do her job. And a lot of people wondered, would that question be posed to a different faith tradition? Is it just Catholic uh, mm-hmm. you know, believers or Christian believers that, uh, or Protestants even? Why aren't you asking these same questions of other faiths? And she seemed to be, a lot of folks were offended. Even on the left, I saw people mm-hmm. saying this was inappropriate questioning of her.
1: Yeah, and and I'll tell you the reason they're not asking that question about their face is because it's unconstitutional to have a religious test for of office, anybody. Right? Yeah, exactly. So they shouldn't be asking that question of any faith. It was that was really a shocking moment. I remember watching that, and I had I had been had stepped away from the hearing, and then I looked at it again. I was I, and I was live streaming, going, did I just hear what I did? She really just go there, and mm-hmm. it was such an awkward phrasing. Even the dogma lives loudly within you. Like, what mm-hmm. is that even from Senator Feinstein? From Senator Feinstein, yeah. right? What does that even mean? Um, but she held her, her held her own so impressively. I think that was probably one of the things that caught the president's attention. Of Okay, she knows how to hold her own, and of course she does because she is a she was longtime professor at Notre Dame, regularly won professor of the year awards, absolutely beloved by her students, and uh, now of course is a is a justice. She was a a, a widely regarded scholar of originalism. So Mm -hmm. talk about not just someone who can parrot this, but really deeply understands the principles. And then you know, amidst all this, she has seven kids, two of them adopted, two of them adopted from Haiti, one with special needs. So. I just how did how does she do it? I I don't either. This woman is is a rock star. So (laughs) you know, it's kind of amazing to to see how much she has accomplished and what what a powerful um, woman figure she -hmm. really is. That said. We certainly saw from her confirmation hearing that you know some people have said to me, well, maybe they need to pick a woman because that would really disarm the left. Well, I agree. Saying saying a woman is a woman hater is just one of the kind of their lines of the, you're anti woman is is a laughable prospect. But they went there and then some mm-hmm. in the in the Barrett confirmation hearing. So I don't think that that means either she or Larson. Would get a pass if they 're picked i don 't think it's a reason not to pick a woman because but i I, I think if the if either of those women gets chosen it 'll be because they are stellar on their own merits and not because we think we 're getting an easy pass because mm-hmm. a woman will go through because we know that that really clearly infuriated senator Feinstein. I think it 's just so threatening for them to have an articulate conservative woman that kind of puts the lie to their their um Identity politics. you know, Women don't all think the same. And here's someone who can really explain why. And is so smart uh, that, that I think that's, that can be a little um, frightening for them. So, you know, we'll see, maybe they'll get a chance to be even more frightened.
0: Well, we'll see because um, she seems to be the top of much of our speculation and our list. Uh, we will know on Monday, but in the meantime, thank you so much for giving us some background on these folks and a look at the confirmation process that is to come. The left is very upset about each of these people. They have uh, objections mm-hmm. to all of them. Uh, As you would imagine, if a uh, president uh, on the other side of the aisle was uh, getting a second seat within less than two years, of course, folks on the right would be equally uh, worried about the future direction of the court. So we'll see. Um, But Carrie Severino, always great to have you. Thanks for the preview. It's great to be here, Shannon.